good evening. Let's keep going. There. <laughs> good evening. This is uh, Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight our topic is faith is an action. Yes. Faith it's always is an, action. an action. Yep. Even if it looks like we're not doing anything, if we're having faith, as in we have to deliberately believe that God will come through. That's yeah. an action in the mind. I have something I want to read here. This oh, is from okay. uh, beliefnet.com, and it's written by a woman named Mirabelle Day. Okay. <clears throat> and she says, Christianity is at its heart a very practical religion. The teachings of Jesus essentially are about how we should relate to one another and to God. Jesus' teachings are effectively are effectively are a manual for how we are supposed to operate in this world. That makes Christianity a very simple religion to understand, but a hard one to follow. Oh, that's true. And I like that concept. Um, first of all, Jesus did lay it out black and white. Yep. These are the things that you should do. Mm-hmm. And if you love me, you'll do my, you'll follow my commandments, sort of thing. So, um, action and doing is Christianity is an action religion. We're called to do things, not because it's the law that we do them, but because by by having faith, we are meant to, it, it's supposed to happen. Uh, James 2, 14 through 17, I'm going to run that okay. right off the bat. Okay. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a person or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right. And there's a lot of people that struggle with, James says, show me your faith without works sort of thing. They struggle with that a little bit. But I think what James is speaking about is the fact that your faith has to be in action. Hmm. It has to be what you do, not just what you think. So many times faith is, you said it, um, you know, people treat faith like hope. Yeah, like. And there is hope involved in our faith, but there's more than that. It's right. not just blind. Well, I guess we just hope something happens. Habakkuk, Habakkuk 2, 4, B says the righteous shall live by his faith. And I think sometimes <laughs> Christians might shy away from this. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works is because they're too afraid that, uh oh, you're saying that. I'm doing good works to have faith. You know what I mean? Like we might cross the line thinking good works get us to heaven, but that's not the case. It's the motivation. We're not doing it to earn a place in heaven. We're doing it because we have a place in heaven. Acting out your faith in your daily life and everything that you do is what James is talking about. You should be doing. Um, James 1, 23 to 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks... Excuse me, intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Mm. I was trying to find it. It's in, it's in Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. It says, um, without faith it is impossible to please God, who is a rewarder for those who seek him. But I can't find that verse. It's in there somewhere. Okay. And then um, we in Hebrews ten thirty nine says, "Oh no, I'm going to go up to 
10, 37 and read through 39 of Hebrews for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Isn't that good? Right. Maybe you could find that verse. And I think when we're looking at, um, when we look at the concept of faith in action mm-hmm. and what we should be doing there, I think it's important for us to think about it just in very practical terms, just like Jesus did. If I love you, but I don't act like I love you, I can say it all day. Yeah. You can Saying it doesn't it. mean it. You can feel it and you can say it. But if you don't do anything with it, is it real? Right. You would not consider me someone who loves you if I didn't act like I loved you. Right. So even if it's in my head and it's in my heart, but it's not in my hands, is that love? So if we look at our faith, is it not the same thing? Now, faith is a confidence in what we have hoped for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith. And then it goes through the list of, of all the uh, the Old Testament people, one after another. Right. So uh, Abel, uh, Enoch, Noah. And this one, I'm going to bring this one up. This is Abraham. This is 11.8. That's okay. where it starts. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he had... And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Abraham, um, it continues on about that. Um, it, it continues on Abraham there. But it's one of those things where Abraham acted. And the concept of, of faith in action is acting without knowing what the result will be, but trusting that God will take control of it. Yeah. So what you do may not have immediate and this is contrary to the world, right. you may not have immediate satisfaction or immediate results. You may not get what you want out of it or see the results you want to see. That doesn't mean those results aren't going to happen. That doesn't mean things aren't going to come from there. That was our daughter. Yeah. We'll call her back. I will reply. Okay. I'll keep going. Keep so going. Our, our, our faith is meant to be like Jesus. When Jesus right. came out and he spoke to the multitudes, he spoke to everyone. Now, whether they listened and believed in him or not didn't matter. He was still speaking. When he healed, and he healed the ten leopards and or lepers, lepers, and only yeah. one came back. Right. The other nine weren't going to get leprosy back. Right. Right. He gave it out freely, so that those that would accept it would would have the opportunity to accept it. But he didn't give it. Didn't limit what he was doing based on any criteria of what the end result would be. He put it out there in faith. And it's the same with us. We are called to do that. And we are called to do that in, in no uncertain terms. I and mean, biblically, no uncertain terms. It says we are called to act. I want to read just be a, doers and not just hearers. I want to read a little bit of this book. It's called New Testament Christianity by this man named J.B. Phillips. He was a vicar in 
in England. He was born in London in 1906. I'm pretty sure he's dead by now. Well, yeah, he's got to be dead. He'd be really old. Yeah. Anyway, so this is an old book, and I am loving it. And I'm going to try to read something that's, I'm in a chapter that's called The Faith Faculty. So he's saying that the Christians don't use this enough. And so he's comparing science. All right, so he says, We are inclined to forget that science, at its apparently most omniscient, is only dealing with one particular aspect of truth. Mm. So he's not denying science. And then also then he says about psychology. We need to remember that the psychologist also is dealing only with certain aspects of truth, in this case, mental and emotional life. We should be foolish to disregard this new knowledge, but we should be still more foolish if we thought that by means of physical and mental science, the whole of life can now be accounted for. It seems to me that we're missing a dimension in our thinking, which we may call for the moment the dimension of God. It was awareness of this dimension, the unseen realm, which produced the startling vigor and unassailable certainty of the young church. So they were always aware of the unseen world where, Mm. where that's, if you remember it's there, that is how you can have your faith in action. You know, it's real. It's more real than our world. Um, Let me see if I can find a really good quote. Okay, here we are. Now this is later on page 26. Now, This seems to me a most helpful, if simple, analogy. Suppose it is possible that the whole material world and the whole psychological world are interpenetrated by what we may call the spiritual. For some reason or other, we are inclined to think of the physical world and even the demonstrable world as somehow real, while the spiritual is regarded as unreal and imaginary. I believe the opposite to be true, as Paul foresaw long ago. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Living life with a consciousness of the eternal order. That's is what, doesn't that make sense about faith then? I mean, if we know it's true, we can grasp it and we can know that, uh, what do we know? (laughs) Well, first of all, faith is belief in the things unseen. Right. And with what is uh, believing in what's hoped for. You may not see re- the, you may not see the, the end outcome in your lifetime, but that doesn't mean anything because we are not, our lifetime is not the end of things. I, James one twenty two says, but be doers of the world word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And then he also says in James four seventeen, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. When our kids were younger, at least the three youngest ones, uh, when we lived back at the last house we lived in, in the summertime, I wouldn't let them have that TV on during the day. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, go outside and work on your imaginary, your imagination muscle. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring that up, because also faith does include imagination. You can use your imagination for good. But here he says, this is back to this, this uh, book. I have just... Three sentences, I think, to read. I believe we all have this faith faculty, but in many of us, it has become atrophied almost to a vanishing point. Mm. It would appear that one of the great reasons for our living on this planet at all is that we may learn to use and develop this faith faculty. 
The whole pattern of the world's life disregards, for the most part, the existence of this faith faculty and its practical application to the business of living. So how how it's written that um, in Christ we are new create, creations, or new creatures in Christ when we accept faith. I think that's 2 Corinthians 3.17, I'm not sure. That means we need to li- live completely differently, and that's by living by faith, like that's the real world, and this is the temporary. And again, it's about the action. Yes, yes, yes. Because if we spend our time saying we we believe something, and even if we know we believe it, but we're not doing it, um, what is it? For the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also, also faith apart from works is dead. That's James mm-hmm. two twenty six. And and First Timothy Paul says they are to do good be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Mm. On this earth, in the life that we live, we are called to be in action. This is our chance. I like how you said the very first passage you Mm -hmm. read about the woman who said Uh uh, it's a very... uh, Practical. Practical. Yeah. We do things. But... That is, this is our chance to do things. Yes. When we are dead, when we are out of this world, we no longer have the opportunity to do the things that we have today. We have a chance to do something now. And when that time passes, we all have things that we regret doing in our past. We also have things we regret not doing in our past. Mm -hmm. And we need to keep that sharp in our mind and, and keep that in front of us. Um, Titus 116, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Profess to know God, but deny him. And they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit. That's where we start with this faith thing. We obey. Mm -hmm. And I had this thought. Maybe I said it out loud. Maybe I wrote it down. But how, let's say uh, God calls you to obey. He has given us Ten Commandments. He's given us, you know, love our neighbor as ourselves mm-hmm. and love God first. And maybe God calls me to do something, and I don't understand why he wants me to do that. If I just go ahead, and, and I can talk to God about it, but I go ahead and obey and right. do, even though even though I don't understand, he will bring understanding. We can trust that whatever he calls us to do is the best thing for us. That's the challenge of Christianity. Do first, understand later is not something people normally think of. Normally it's, well, explain it to me first. Yeah, I don't get it. in faith, we are meant to step out in faith and say, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me. And that's the the uncomfortable part of Christianity. Right. Is because what Jesus said we are to do is to go forth and tell all nations. We'll all do it for family. We'll all, you know, even though sometimes it may be uncomfortable talking about faith with your family. But Jesus said, go out. He left his family behind and went yeah. out. Yeah. And go out to strangers. Yeah. Matter of fact, go to those that are aggressive towards you. Mm-hmm. Go to those that are angry towards you. And do, you may not get the result you want out of them, but plant the seed. Leave yeah. the word there. And that's, that is and also. leaving the word is, is, is the key to a lot of works in faith because you will not see what happens tomorrow or the next day or 10 years down the road. We, when God does let you see it, it's awesome. It is awesome. And then that's a trap we can fall into 
in that we sometimes we have this wrong thinking that if God calls me to do something, it's going to turn out great. That's not a promise. It, the, the promise is God will be with you when you go where he tells you to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's with us anyway, but he will be there and he equips you to do what he wants. He tells you to do. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, promise certain results, you know, as far as in this world. But if we do it for him, and even if it looks like a big fat failure, if we did it for him, then it was a success. And there are times when we're meant to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. And there are times when we're meant to weed the garden. And there's times when we're meant to harvest. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are available to all of us in our lifetime. Don't be surprised if somebody else harvests your seed. It's still for God's glory. Yeah. Don't be surprised if you weed somebody else's garden and they get the benefit out of it. Yeah. It's still to God's glory. Do all things for him. Um, I want to share a story because this is, and maybe I shared this on a podcast, but I don't even remember when it was last fall, but I got to harvest when I did absolutely nothing. Mm. When I mm-hmm. visited Carrie, yeah. it was so surreal. I got to, to pray with her to accept Christ, but I, 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 a lot of us had prayed for her, but I didn't ever, had never even met her. And I know thousands of seeds have been planted in her life throughout the years. I know specifically from her aunt who is faithful and she loves that she's, Carrie has gone to be with the Lord now, but I don't, I felt so humbled because I really just walked into that room and said a few words to her and that was it. And that was incredible for me, but I know it wasn't me because it was crazy how fast it happened. So I know that all those seeds that were planted, all the prayers prayed by so many people, we all are in this together. So whatever part you get to play is as important as another part. But Jesus says in John 10, uh, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You could also say the world does too. Mm. It steals from us, kills, Mm -hmm. destroys. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about us having kingdom life in this world. In this world. To live an abundant life if we... we follow him, then the abundance in this world is the fact that we have a purpose. Yes. We have a mission. We have a job to do. That's our abundance in this life. The reward will come later. Yeah. Don't worry about the reward in this life. And I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, um, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a believer at all in the, in the name and claim it. God's going to make you very wealthy sort of thing. I don't think unless God can, but that's not, that's not a promise anywhere in the Bible saying no. that God's going to make your life easy. But in Colossians 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Oh. You are serving the Lord Christ. Yeah. In other words, we work for God knowing that the payoff is way down the road. It may be today. It may be, you know, a hundred years from now. We don't know exactly when that's coming. But we work for God's kingdom. We know he wins. We know he wins in the end. So uh, we're jumping into that battle. This, uh, this back to this book. Right. He, he quotes Jesus as saying, um, this was John 5, 45, verse 44. How can you believe 
while you receive honor from one another when you're seeking people's approval. So this author says, and I, if you are seeking people's approval, um, the hurt, the power of faith is not going to be in you because that's contrary to, we're supposed to, like you said, work for God. The conceptual part of that is, yeah. And Jesus said, give, don't let one hand know what the other one's doing. Yeah. And if when you pray, go pray by yourself. Don't be praying out in front of people and shouting out your prayers like the Pharisees. And Jesus several times said, do these things that I'm telling you to do quietly. Yes. Just do them because it's what who you are. And that's what faith is. Faith should be who we are, not what we do. Because if it's that, then it's just works for work's sake. Not what the world wants us to be because then we're doing it for somebody else's benefit. But we should, faith should be who we are. And Jesus said, abide in me as I abide in the Father. We are meant to be living in Christ. And if we're living in Christ, we would be acting like Christ. That um, you said abide in the Father. Right. This is another one. He says the second thing we need to, to know so we our faith faculty grows is that Jesus taught that men could live without worry and fear if they would use their faith faculty to realize that the one in charge of the whole mysterious world and indeed of everything seen or unseen is man's heavenly father. Right. So we know he's going to take care of us. He loves us. And that doesn't mean that you won't um, get a terminal disease. Right. God still loves you and God is still in charge. God is still taking care of you. I'm going to go back just for a second here. Keep yeah. dropping a pen on the floor. I apologize. I'm going to go back just for a second. You talked about how the world was will lead you astray and will yeah. take you. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians that follow that. Um, they know the word and they gossip. They know the word and they're full of unforgiveness. They know the word and they're full of anger. Not righteous anger, self-righteous anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel 11.32 says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. That is the point I want to bring up right here. Okay. He shall stand firm and take action. That passage from Daniel, I think, is something we have to have to take into this faith is faith okay. and action stuff. Is that a lot of times we hear about standing firm, right. standing against the world, you know, all those kind of things where we are meant to stand up and and resist the pressure on the outside. But Daniel's saying, don't just stand firm, do something. Mm. And a lot of times um, Christians are concerned about persecution and they're saying these things about us and they don't like Christians. And okay, so stand firm against that. I got it. I get it. Now do something. Mm. If they condemn you for your faith, be it condemning you for your actions. Mm. And that's where it gets challenged. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus, when he was brought before Pilate, Pilate said, I don't see what he did wrong. Mm-hmm. The things he did, what did he do wrong? How many times do we see the Pharisees condemning him for um, healing on the Sabbath or doing something like that when they didn't look at the healing? Right. They, they just looked at the rule. And I think... What Daniel's saying here that that really struck me was, yes, stand firm, but don't sit still. Mm. When you're standing firm, you should be moving forward. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a battle we're in. This is a this is a war that's going on for the very souls of people, 
And if we're standing still and not doing anything, what are we? What good are we? Yeah. When I was teaching uh, defensive tactics, it's something I used to teach all the time. Uh, For 14 years, I taught it in law enforcement academy. Basically teaching people how to fight and how to fight um, ethically when you're a cop. Yeah. Okay. There's certain things you're not supposed to do. But one of the things I would always tell my students, and I had a way of demonstrating this, you can defend only so long, and sooner or later someone's going to sneak one in. Mm. If all you're going to do is stand there and try and defend yourself, you're never going to win. Mm. The only way to win is get on the offense and and move forward. Mm. Because if all you're doing is standing still or backing up, they might not overwhelm you, but you don't win that. Mm. To win that, you have to be offensive. Yes. That is an intelligent thing that you make a decision to do. It's not something you just flail out wildly, but you make an intelligent decision decision about how you are going to step forward in that. And that's faith. Faith, you you know the word. You know what God is asking. You get sensitive to hearing God's voice. Mm -hmm. And when God's speaking, you listen and you do what he tells you to do. With that offensive thing, um, to get on the offensive one thing that will help you stay on the offensive or get on the offensive and stay there is just just tell yourself in your heart that you refuse to be offended. Mm. Refuse to be offended by anyone. If you can't be offended, because Jesus was never offended. Mm. They called him a, a bastard. They called him uneducated. They called him all sorts of things. And he just let it slide off him. Yep. And And if you can't be offended... That's a real power. Oh. Because somebody <laughs> always wants to try to offend you, you know. Can yeah. I can I share this? Sure. Okay, this is um from Matthew nine. I'm gonna just read this as a nice story and then this author has a little a sentence here. Okay, this is from Matthew nine, twenty seven through thirty one. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. They always did that. Anyway, so I just, this is such a cool sentence, okay? The well-known words of Jesus, According to your faith, be it unto you. Mm. Take on a new meaning if we are thinking of faith not as a desperate effort to believe so much as the using of a faculty to grasp unseen realities and utilize unseen resources. What do you think of that? I can do all things through Christ Christ who who strengthens me. Yes. Yes. And again, I'm going to go a little bit back, just a little bit in that offensive thing we're talking about. When we go into Ephesians and we look at the full armor of God that, that Paul is talking about. And I've preached about this before, and I probably will again, but in uh, this is oh, Ephesians 6, Paul says, starting in verse 14, he says, Stand firm then. There we go. Okay. There's the stand firm that, that Daniel was talking about. With the buckle, belt of truth, buckle around your waist, the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness, it comes from the gospel of peace, oh. not an anchor. Right, They're readiness. You're readiness. Ready you're ready to move. Yeah. And then it goes on to talk 
uh, he talks about, uh, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Like you're saying, you want to extinguish the arrows of the evil one? Stand behind the shield so that it doesn't affect you and let everybody see that I can just stand here. Yeah. You can attack me, but it doesn't work. But there is one offensive weapon uh-huh. that is mentioned, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yes. So you have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. If all you're going to do is defend yourself, he'd say, well, you got a good shield. Yeah. If all we were meant to do was defend ourselves, we could lock ourselves away from the world and never go out into the world and never interact with anybody or talk to anybody. And there are a lot of cults that have tried to do that. Yeah. They've set up great big compounds and, and kept everybody tucked and hidden away. Ugh. That's not what Christ did. No. Christ didn't even have a home. No. He wandered and wandered no. and wandered, and his entire ministry was teaching us how to walk. Yes. And none of it involved hiding. To be in the world, but not of the world. Right. That's, uh, let me see, John 17. We are meant to be a sword. Here, Jesus says, John seventeen fifteen. He's he's, uh, talking to the Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, Mm. but that you keep them from the evil one. And then 16 goes on. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But we're supposed to stay in the world to be that light, to to show people how to have faith. Because if they are not believers, it's contrary to any way we're taught to live. Anything we're taught by the world or, or society it's not a faith kind of life. It's like a desperate kind of life. You need this. You're not fulfilled. You need this. You need this. Do this. Um, anyway, that God is so good. We got to have this faith, this this powerful faith mm. that is full of action, full of belief. I mean, real belief. Like you will take a, the word and you'll say, okay, Jesus promises this. I believe this is going to happen. Because he said it would. I saw a really neat t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not not a big t-shirt guy necessarily. But this was the them. t-shirts. This was on the back of the t-shirts from the Christian school at our powerlifting state meet. Uh-huh. And it said, I do not ask that you lighten the weight, but that you strengthen my back to carry it. Oh, that is good. And that's not a verse from the Bible. No, but it's a... But it's a biblical principle. Yeah. No matter what God puts before us and puts on us... We are meant to carry that. And he has asked us to follow through and be the people he wants us to be and do the things he asked us to do. Part of that is also acting as a family, as acting as his body, working together. Here, farther down in John 17, uh, I'll do 20 and 21. Jesus is still talking to the Father. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Mm. When, a, when a church body or church bodies work together, that is a witness. Right. We're not supposed to be these independent maverick cowboys living out our faith. We're supposed to come alongside each other and help each other. Of course, sometimes we do things alone, but I mean, we have to remember we're interconnected, interdependent. We are interdependent. We are mavericks in our, in the world. We, yes, yes. I mean, we are mavericks in the world. We are, we are, but I mean, we're not supposed to, that's not what our faith is. 
We're not supposed to say, hey, I don't need to go to church. Hey, I don't need other Christians. I believe by myself, and it's just me and Jesus. We're not supposed to do that. So let me let me put this to you then. Okay. As a, as a kind of a period on this. John 13, 15. Okay. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That says it all right there. Mm. Jesus laid out an example. So what did Jesus do? Get into your word and find out. Uh-huh. What did he say? Get into your word and find out. How did he love? Mm. Get into the word and find out. How did he forgive sitting on the cross and saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Yeah. I mean, look at how Jesus loved. Yeah. And he loved in action. Oh. He was stopped when they said, no, no, you shouldn't stop here. Right. Lord, the, the disciples are saying, no, no, come with us. Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm meant to stop here. Yeah. I need to do this. I need to heal this person. I need to talk to this person. Even his own believers tried to slow him down. Yeah. And the example he laid out for us is right there. And as his disciples did when he first, when, when Jesus was crucified, what was the first thing they did? They locked themselves into a room in fear. Yeah. But after the resurrection, when he came and visited them, yeah. they went out and Thousands were converted that, that very day. The Holy Spirit came down on them. Yep. They immediately Pentecost, went out. Yes. Yeah, they immediately went out and, and people were saved. And well, the Holy Spirit came after Jesus ascended. Right. right? But I mean, yeah. when Jesus came out, Paul Peter was suddenly from denying him to, oh, wow, I love you. did yeah. I miss this? You'd said all these things were going to happen. I missed it. We don't miss it. No. Peter could not sit down and reread the words Jesus gave him. Right. We can. Yeah. Peter didn't have revelation. Right. We do. Yeah. He had a knowledge of the Torah in the Old Testament because of where he was raised. But we have so much more laid out before us. And I think we are going to be held accountable because we've been given so many blessings. I think we also are going to be held to a higher standard because I told you. Yeah. You know you have been told these things. You had the opportunity in every way, shape, or form. We can't deny that we don't have the opportunity to know what Jesus wanted us to do. Yeah. The only thing we can do is say, I did not do what you told me to do. And that uh, that's a sobering thought to stand in front of Christ and he'll say, well, what did you actually do? Another thing with that, because um, you brought it up a little while ago, you say, you know, uh, I think of the, the Lord's prayer where forgive us as you, have, as we have been forgiven one, it kind of scares me if someone refuses to forgive others and they call themselves a believer. That prayer says we won't be forgiven if we don't forgive others. That's, that's the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Forgive us our sins as we so have forgiven, forgiven others. others. So yeah. I always take very seriously if, I do have something against someone or if I'm struggling with something, I just go to the Lord and he has to help me work it out because that's a scary thing. I mean, I don't, I don't. And we are not ever going to say that you should be, you should be scared into faith. Oh no. I don't believe that, but I do believe that if you truly believe in God, you want to please him. You want to do everything for him. You don't want to have him be disappointed in the option, the opportunities that he gave you and the way that you acted in that place. Mm. So I am, I t- like, I like how you said, I take it very seriously. It's a sobering thought to hear these things. Yeah. 
not because I'm afraid of punishment, but because I'm afraid of disappointing someone who gave so much for me. Yeah. Well, we're going to end here. This has been a little bit longer than usual, but I think it was good discussion. So yeah. just uh, get into your word and see these things for yourself. God yeah. has so much to show you. Flannel shirts are good. You look good in that one. Well, yeah, I got a final shirt on. Yeah, it's got the God corduroy. Bless. Okay, bye.